Hello, and welcome to episode 96 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, Mike Apps, and with me as always... David McBurney, Family Master, uh, back from an exodus that we all apparently shared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what we're talking about... Uh, let's just say I am and <laughs> not go further into that interrogation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I was actually gone last week and was assuming I would just be have to miss an episode, but no, <laughs> there just wasn't an episode. Yeah, you know, daylight savings time didn't help. Lovely coincidence. Which I, I certain I cannot use the right. I yes. Use the right. Yeah. Certain people don't celebrate the the fine tradition Wait. of. Pan <laughs> tried it for seven years during the Reconstruction period, and it wasn't the, worth it. The con- the idea was that oh, um, like office workers and factory workers will be able to go home with, while there's still some daylight and spend time with their families and. They didn't realize that at the time the Japanese work ethic was such that the workers found it dishonorable to arrive home before sunset. <laughs> so a lot of these office workers were sitting in their cars with the air conditioners on, oh. waiting out the sun rather than go to ho- go home too early. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not worth anyone's time or resources. So that makes sense. Huh? Yeah, pretty much everyone's like. Why are we bothering with this? And the entire country's in the same time zone anyway. Pretty much. Even though our entire country is not in the same time zone, there is a good question of, why are we bothering with this? Yeah. Because at some point, some guy in some city thought that it might help the farmers. Farmers, of course, working from sunup till sundown, regardless of when the clock says that is. And... In fact, that the reason why Indiana didn't do it for the longest time, they may still not, is because the dairy industry said it will just drive the cows nuts. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, that's enough history to make me uh, want to dive into something that will just numb my brain to reality. Yeah. Let's talk about video games. Oh, I was going to say, let's talk about the sad news of the day. R.I.P. Stanley. Oh, yeah. yeah. May you rest in peace and in a million more cameos. <laughs> they apparently filmed like a billion of them before he died, so we're going to be seeing him in movies for probably at least three years. Wow. At least. At least. And possibly even more along the lines of like in B- Big Hero 6. Yeah. Like like animate in animated fashion, he will probably just there will be a character model of him in every subsequent Marvel related property. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it seems about right. It's beyond tradition at this point. Oh. Ninety five years young. Mm-hmm. Get a good run. Ugh, may we all live to be nonagenarians. <laughs> yes, at the least. In other news, we got to see the trailer for the Detective Pikachu movie, which oh, was a thing. Oh, man. That is the craziest looking thing. The most Super Mario Brothers, the movie for the new generation that I can imagine. Yeah. Now, it cannot be as bad as Super Mario Brothers, the movie, because it seems to actually pay some attention to the source material. Like, the, that was not meant as an insult. That was me saying that I love how off-kilter of an interpretation it is. True. I mean, you should have heard the voice for the Japanese version of Pikachu, where it's this really deep, um, like, deep tone uh, um, Kansai accent, I think. I'm reminded in, uh, when when the idea was first floated, and I, at the time, I was assuming, well, the movie's never actually going to come out. Like, how could it? But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm reminded of when it was first floated. People were joking, like, "Have Danny DeVito voice Pikachu," and I'm still sad that couldn't have happened. Someone actually asked him about it in an interview, and he responded with, "What the hell's a Pokemon?" <laughs> in was... many ways, he would have probably been the perfect choice just for that. Yeah, <laughs> kinda. You see yeah. the uh, no perceptions. The always sunny uh, Twitter feed actually posted about that. Oh my Maybe god, I should like that. Some crack about that. <laughs> Always Sunny was... Even if I didn't enjoy the show, it would be worth it just for the sheer amount of... Just, like, 
Danny DeVito being nightmarish that it has brought into the world. <laughs> I have never seen that show, to be honest. But you should watch it sometime. It doesn't get play over here, and I'm not very good at finding ways to <laughs> I'm shocked that this show is not played in Japan. <laughs> Truly shocked. Okay, yeah, they, they did tweet disappointed that Danny DeVito is a Detective Pikachu. You can still have him as your furry friend. <laughs> anyway, getting to an actual question. Yes, I mean, we should do that. Die, question number one, out of many. Do you think the excuse of bugs in Bethesda games, as their games are more ambitious, will still hold weight? Oh. <laughs> uh, granted, the games are huge, and it's probably impossible to quality test every single possible little permutation. Certainly, but I mean, like, every other open-world game, and all these other companies are getting, you know, pretty similar ambitions at this point, they're still by far the buggiest open-world games. Yeah. Like, it's not even a contest. I'm still, like, floored that, like, I was looking up bugs, and there's obscure bugs in, like, Morrowind that give you bad pointer exceptions. <laughs> I can't even imagine how that happens. What is a bad pointer exception, actually? Like, when you make a... Uh, programming, basically, you make a memory ad, you make something that points to a memory address... Normally, you immediately say that it doesn't have, like, it doesn't point to anything because, you know, it's dangerous if it's just, if you just make the pointer because it has to point to something, so it just points to garbage points in memory. So you make, you normally tell it to point to null, so you'll occasionally see things that give you null pointer exceptions, and that's normal. Getting a bad pointer exception means someone made a pointer and then never did anything with it, and then tried to use it. Like, okay, it's the yeah, sort of thing is, that's, that's like... really sloppy programming, isn't it? Yeah, it's like bad programming 101. If you, di if you don't initialize the pointer to at least null in, like, any CS class, like, you're going to get a huge dressing down from your professor on that. Uh, but, like, just in general, it's just... I, like... Look at how Bethesda single-player games come out. They're also always way buggier than... <laughs> other games in the same genre. It's just, they don't pay for playtesting. You remember uh, Hunted the Demon's Forge? Not when I can help it. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. It was it was a Bethesda shooter that me and Wheels played, and it just broke constantly. And it was, just, it was a Gears of War knockoff. Like, there were no major situations in that where, like, you were going to have a lot of unaccounted for behavior. It was just an ultra-linear game that was just shooter to shooter to shooter. And, like, of course, those can have bugs, but this had tons of them. They were constant. It was awful. Yeah. It like, was, it was... It was borderline unplayable at times. Yeah, like, we we commiserated a lot while playing that together. I don't know... I, I don't think we finished it. We got pretty far in it just because, well, we'd both bought in it, and it was an excuse to just chat about how miserable the experience was but yeah like it was there was this was not a more ambitious product than anything else that anyone was making but it was commensurately bethesda, bethesda buggy while driving around in a bethesda buggy yes <laughs> uh, that would be fun actually i will let's go i'll go on a buggy trip um <laughs> no but you have to realize that when you when if bethesda actually did make its own buggy it would effectively be a chevy nova on the other hand, it well, might fly. A Pinto. It would probably be a Pinto instead. Yeah, but again, on the bright side, it might disobey the rules of gravity entirely. I might be able to fly with it. <laughs> yes, but if it gets rear-ended, then suddenly you have a, a systemic error in your gas flow and you explode. On the other hand, it would at least be an awesome way to die. <laughs> Only if you got rear-ended by ninjas. We'll, we'll work that one out. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep workshopping this. Good times. By which I mean bad times. <laughs> Good news for people who love bad news. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, after a while, after enough pattern that persists beyond... Like, I also remember, like, The Evil Within 1, uh, 2 less so, but 1, even though 2 was the more ambitious open-world project, The Evil Within 1 is also just... Well, it's super buggy and just has a lot of like, huh, why did that just happen? It's just, you know, for a long time they've used, well, our games are ambitious as an excuse for, and therefore we won't bother playtesting them. 
So why do people keep buying these games? Uh, because they still sell an atmosphere. They still sell a world. You know, and a lot of times they're still good under all those bucks. Yeah. It's one of those things like, you know, people buy thing, buy, buy games and play games that have plenty of obvious flaws on top that play, like something that it's doing. And I mean, like, bugginess is just another metric of that. But it is one of those cases where, like, if the the defense of, well, their games are ambitious just doesn't really ring true. No, I mean, look how big Breath of the Wild was, and that uh, was pretty damn solid at launch. Oh, man. What a magical game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, you'll you'll never run into a situation where you've saved too much in Breath of the Wild and the game is now unplayable. <laughs> is that only in the PS3 version of Skyrim, or did that happen in other versions? I think that's in every single uh, I think it game ha- with that engine on PS3. I want to yeah, I want to say that it's like the Gamebryo engine as it was implemented on Skyrim has some issue with probably with memory clearing or whatever. But it uh, after enough saves, it's just over. Rip rip your save. It's uh, you're gonna have to delete it and start again. Wonderful. Crazy. Wheels has plenty of stories about this, right? Yeah, I had Skyrim on PS3 at launch. Uh, I'm not sure why I got it on PS3. Uh, I think people. I think this was during the period where they were swearing up and down that version would uh, not be the trash fire the previous Bethesda PS3 versions were, and you and foolishly believed them. <laughs> probably. I think probably at that point, then my 360 was mostly just like for Halo, and pretty much for sounding like a jet engine. So that is that. All right, what do we got next? Oh. <sighs> We got a very long question from Eternal Youth. It's very long. I'm tagging you in. Oh man. Well, it's multi-part, right? Yeah, there's two questions here, yeah. so we'll start with the first one. Who's an RPG uh, character that you completely related to, or feel as a reflection of you? Name a character, a story arc that had a real-life impact on you and has a special place in your heart. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't say anything's completely reflected me. There are characters that I more relate to, or find to feel truer to life than. Uh, others so i'd probably expand the question after that i think i just played too many games i'm kind of jaded now (laughs) (laughs) that's also fair uh like this is as a uh as a uh ridiculous nerdlinger uh this is going to be kind of an easy uh cheap throwaway answer but uh one of the characters in persona 5 is this like agoraphobic like Co- like there's there's stuff that it's it's very common nowadays for people in fiction to say this character is probably autistic and it's like mm, probably not but this uh, this character has some of those mannerisms that you occasionally see of like this person can't sit straight and does weird things and I I could see some at least reasonable uh, true to lifeness in that one yeah I mean in general I think the characters in Persona are, um, pretty damn relatable. At least Persona 4. One day you'll play 5. Yeah, I should finally give up on waiting for the Switch version of it. That's what'll finally trigger the port. <laughs> True. You gotta do it for the greater good. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say a lot of the cast in Persona 4 would be... I don't know if I'd say... or like me at all, but we're definitely the most <laughs> relatable... They felt three-dimensional. Yeah. They felt like they were written like real people and not written like, you know, fantasy characters. They were, they were written like teenagers, for yeah. good meal. One of the main draws of the Persona series to begin with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, games that not only star teenagers, but not a lot of ones that not actually feel like they... Uh, feel like they actually do. <laughs> Instead of just starring like... Because, I mean, all these Persona characters are fitting anime archetypes, but they don't feel like they're defined by being those anime archetypes, whereas right. a lot of games will have those. Anything by Compile Heart or Idea Factory. <laughs> <laughs> a trope list for the character sheet. Yep. For the- uh-huh. yeah. I'm sure they have a checklist that must be completed before they ship any game. They, I'm almost certain they do, because, at least on the 
the initial Japanese introductions to characters, they will often mention a specific character. <laughs> it's like literally... Oh, this, you Tsundere fans out there. Yeah, this character is the Tsundere type, and this one's a bit of a Dojiko, and this one's Boko-chan. Right, okay. And if we couldn't already tell from the character designs, then yes, I mean, we... Yeah. So... There's so much just, like, visual yeah. language that just gets winnowed down until it's like, you're not even sure why you're making them like this anymore. They're just like, that's how you make them. I mean, you can tell just by the personal first-person adjective that they use half the time. Yeah. So, which is, unfortunately, one last layer of characterization that just does not translate at all. Yeah. You try, a. Uh... Even describing how many different words for I you could use in Japanese. 20. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, I mean, granted, only eight or nine of them are actually current in the language as possibly able to be used, and even one, two or three of those are considered really old-fashioned now. So. Well, that's just how you characterize that the character's old. Or very military. Oh, yeah, true. I mean, um, Sergeant Frog, the five Frog characters all use different ad um, personal pronouns. and Sergeant Frog himself was the one who used Wagahai, which is considered <laughs> incredibly old-fashioned, but also very militaristic and authoritarian. It kind of fell out of fashion after the Second World War ended, go figure. Um, oh, yeah, that worked. Yeah. And didn't, didn't otaku... Uh, isn't otaku technically a word for you that just used to be associated with the military? No, it's a second-person pronoun that is considered mid-to-high politeness level. I actually met people who have who use it in <laughs> regular speech for their dialect. Hmm. And it literally means, like, your residence. Or the <laughs> residence. Hmm. So, um, it's a way of... a way of addressing a person through their... through their station in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a low status to high status U. Mm. The thing is, it it only really exists in certain minor dialects these days. It's not really mainstream. Mm -hmm. But back during the '70s, there was this one like very popular voice actress, I think it was, who uh, who regularly used it as an affectation based on her home dialect. Mm. And all of the bit, all the fans started using it as well, and they got made fun of for it, and it became. <laughs> Like super super fans. I'm just so. imagining if we had like if the if the codification in English for nerd had been just like one specific like speech tick, as opposed to just like pulling an old Doctor Seussism out of the hat. Yeah, but, I mean, English cannot compare Japanese in the sheer variety of status related pronouns. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say there's about there's almost twenty first person and second person pronouns each. Yeah, when your entire sentence sort of has to be baked around who you're saying it to, you kind of end up developing that sort of thing. Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, a lot of the grammar side has vanished over the years. Um, mm. I can I I know a couple of verbs that are still conjugated according to old um, status rules. But they're all, they're all based around service industry stuff, like saying welcome in a store. Oh. Irishaimase. Oh, man. Which is a command form of the command mode of the polite form, which is never used anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, they, they actually... I have seen TV shows in this country where they are teaching the Japanese certain levels of keigo. <laughs> because nobody uses the stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean... And like I said, fully half of the first-person pronouns that I know are only found in video games and manga these days because there's nowhere else where you're going to see a member of royalty referring to themselves with a specific pronoun. Because not even <laughs> the emperor does that anymore. <laughs> so. uh, cultural differences are fascinating. Yes, they are. Uh, yeah. Uh, do we have to do this next question? Uh, I think we can glance over it at least a little bit. Okay. Uh, we'll tread lightly. Uh, you want me to read this, Sarah? Yeah, go go for it. 
This might be opening a huge can of worms, but what are each of your thoughts on Sony's crusade to enforce their standards for appropriate content and dialogue? I'm going to cut you off right there and say that they've been doing that for uh, ever since they began existing. Um, They've just been better at it some decades than others. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason that if you go back in time to certain periods, like... Go back to the PlayStation versus the Saturn, mm-hmm. and you'll see that uh, Sega was allowing certain kinds of video games with certain kinds of content, and you can guess where I'm going with that, uh, <laughs> that Sony was not. Yeah. And that's, like, it's just one of those situations where the globalization of the market, because, like, he's going on to, we have in the last week seen a policy where games developed in Japan must conform to other countries' ratings in future developed games. Uh, at this point, there is a certain uh, point where companies start to understand that the market has become global enough that something that reflects, like, that is culturally perplexing or upsetting enough to a large market that gets out is something that they is a can of worms they don't want to have to deal with so kind of kind of just have to settle with like their it's their platform they're going to do what they want with it mm-hmm. plus it's i mean in Japan traditionally there have been multiple other platforms for stuff that Sony would never touch yeah, and th- a lot of those platforms still exist, and they are still getting most of the stuff in those particular subgenres. For example, you will you will notice that uh, that's basically half the reason that the Japanese PC market has not shriveled and died entirely. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. For PC games, yes. Yeah, it's just like I mean, well, and it's it's always kind of amazing when a game manages to cross back over to the console side. And you see what parts they might, may or may not have had to cut out. Yeah, what parts like, that um, they... Like Utawara Rumono. Tears, had a few tears to Tiara. Both of those had minor subplots taken out. So did the Type Moon games. Mm. But those were all cases where they had um, adult material included as something that you could find if you went looking for it. But it wasn't the main point of those games. Mm. So they were able to cross over pretty well. But something like Toshin Toshi for 3DS just Every made time. me like, what in the world? <laughs> Every time I'm forced to remember Toshin Toshi. Yes, where they, they had, where even with the most bottlerized version they could come up with, it still sounded really skeevy. Yeah. <laughs> There's also just that, like, this sort of thing has usually, like, typically it's been grounded to one region, and I feel like this move mostly represents Sony accepting that their primary market is not Japan because I mean like they aren't modulating in the other direction where oftentimes video games from the west will have uh, violence reduced significantly in Japan to avoid a Sero Z rating but Borderlands 2 is a Z rating over here yeah just for perspective that's not even like in top 20 in terms of what uh, what shows up in Western games. Uh, so. if, if you look at the Z ratings over here, you would find stuff like Grand Theft Auto, um, Left 4 Dead, uh, I think Dead Rising might have been... What oh, was. almost assuredly. Um, up, a couple of the American Biohazard... Uh, or, uh, what was the American version name of the Biohazard series? Resident Evil. Thank you, Resident Evil. Yeah, several of those, those are all Z ratings, including the only Z rating I've ever seen for a DS game. <laughs> oh wow! It was one of the Resident Evil games. Yeah, yeah. But in general, uh, you—it it reflects an idea that they're modulating acceptable content to refer to what they consider to be the largest market that they feel the most concern about rocking the boat in, mm-hmm. and then like allowing their individual branches to sort of make decisions outside of that. And like, I mean. What you gonna do? I mean, they've been doing that for a long time. Uh, if anyone cares to remember bad, uh, bad extreme sports games from 2003, BMX Triple X retread this argument long ago. <laughs> Don't oh, remember. That thing. 
help it. Well, now I have. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's super bad, just by the by. Uh, so, Eternal Youth did send me a message on Discord with an exact example that I guess prompted this question, if we want some more information. It's up to you. It's your pleasure. Um, so this involved Mary Skelter 2, which is published by, can you guess? Uh, I've got a few options here, and I can't guess. This is Mipanichi, wasn't it? No, it's, well, that's where it's pub that's who it's published by here. Yeah, that was my guess for American publisher. It's a factory of ideas joint. Oh, yep, yep. It's always you people. You're always the problem child, Idea Factory. It's all those ideas. Please, build a better factory. Uh, didn't we discuss Mary Skelter 1 not long ago? Uh, we may have. I, know, uh, I feel like it came up and I was like, I didn't know that existed, and someone explained uh, what it was to me. I think <laughs> it was... I forget who was on, but I know Paws is a fan of the game, so... Yeah, I remember you bringing up that Paws was a fan of Mary Skelter 1. Yes, but I guess the sequel has an even more questionable purification system. I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> Big hole air quotes. <laughs> uh, I guess that was censored in the Chinese version of the game. So, hmm. oh, that's, a, that's a big market that, that console manufacturers are aching to break into because... Uh, oh, jeez, I just realized the, the URL I was linked to here. <laughs> Do I want to ask? Uh, one Angry Gamer. Oh, no, no. I don't know what that is, but I don't need more anger in my life. Yes. So. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't get I'm, too worked I'm, up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should generally, when something is censored like this, we're probably better off without it. I don't want to be the person to say that, but <laughs> I just have. It's too uh, late. You've already said it. Can't unring that bell. That's anything that's described as a purification minigame, I can only imagine what it, that kind of thing is, and I can mainly imagine it because I've seen it in, for example, their Moero Crystal or uh, Starfrost Amazons and a few other games that use similar concepts, and I'm thinking, no, we don't miss anything. Right now. Yeah. I think they're pretty much the same all around. Just Anyway. Next question. If there was a gaming character Mount Rushmore, what would it be? Uh... And it has to be gaming characters across genres, not one specific company, or else we could just do one entirely from Nintendo. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to say, since it's Mount Rushmore, probably going to be positive characters, so let's say Mario, Cloud, um, who else would be good? Hmm. Link. And somebody else who is not Nintendo. Yeah, I was almost going to say, let's do no Nintendo characters just to make it more interesting. Master Chief. There, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, he, can be, he can be Roosevelt. Master Chief can be Roosevelt's place. Uh, Nathan Drake. I don't, who's that one? From Uncharted. Uh, I mean, probably want to get the biggest series we can possibly can. Um, Sora from Kingdom Hearts? Let us forget that one exists. <laughs> Lightning? We already have Cloud. Yeah, I don't like Cloud, though. He's, but the hairstyle is a lot more recognizable than Lightning's. Alright, that's fair. Laura Croft? She could probably do it, yeah. Um... At all from East. Maybe. At yeah. least I Especially would, I would put him up there. Yeah. I mean, as far as long longevity, at least. Uh, what else? I mean, I'm trying to think of like RPG-specific characters. There's a lot of non-RPG characters I could throw up there. Oh, a slime from Dragon what? Quest. Oh, the slime. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I'm very surprised that. They didn't do like Mount Slushmore on the third Dr Slime Quest game. <laughs> Maybe a Rathalos from the Monster Hunter series? Maybe, yeah. Well, I'm staring at a plush printy, so 
I feel like I'm going to have to say Prinny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do one just for mascots, in which case Prinny and yeah. Slime and Yoshi and... Jibanyan. Uh, Jibanyan. Okay, sure. <laughs> Jibanyan. Uh, Chrono. Chrono Trigger. That'd be a good one, yeah. Yeah, this is harder than I thought. There's like a lot of like one-off characters that seems like they should be up there, but I don't know, being in just one game. Maybe you can put a collage of SIDs from the Final Fantasy series up there. Oh, how many would that be at this point? <laughs> and how would we even do the one from Final Fantasy three? Except I'm guessing maybe the DS remake. Now that I think of it. Yeah. Okay. Who was Sid in the third one? He was just some old guy who had a an airship, the last airship, oh, and yeah. he had out in the desert, and he was get, just too old. Right, let's was see. Was he in Final Fantasy two? I I mean, he could have been. There and two as well. Yes. Yep. Uh, he was a character. The first one was in Final Fantasy two, and he was more of a swashbuckler guy. Sweet. So yeah, then we can just have a, a Mount Rushmore of Sids. So two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Was was there a Sid in twelve? Yes. Twelve, thirteen, fifteen. With the girl. Uh, so yeah. There's got to be one in fourteen somewhere. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm sure, but I'm just not counting the. On, on the yeah, that's fair. <sighs> Trying to think of other things. I mean, obviously there's some... Well, we can put some Fire Emblem characters up there, but yeah, I guess we were trying to avoid Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Again, because we could do one entire, like, triple-size Mount Rushmore just based on nin- on Nintendo games. Yeah. Um, we could put um, the Pip-Boy from Fallout up there. Oh, yeah. Be a weird-looking wall, I'll tell you that. Very weird. Alright, well, I think we'll come back to this once Dave gets back, so we can see if he has anything to add. But, well, I don't think we're going to have much to say about this next... Well, you know, and save this next question until Dave comes back, since it sounds like you don't care about Kingdom Hearts and Slightest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Budai says, a lot of older games... Com- in, in a lot of older games, completing a task in the game was its own reward. Whereas in modern games, for instance, a long involved evolving task won't feel worth it without a reward at the end. What are your feelings on this and the balance of it? Uh, uh, it's give the rats a, some cheese to run the maze. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what older games he's talking about, though. I feel like any sort of task I'm going to do in any older game, I was expecting some kind of reward as well. But, I mean, the reward just may be a scene and a bit of story. True. Um, I mean, he may be thinking of, like, okay, we complete this task, we immediately get some form of experience points. Okay. Or we get X number of items or things like that. Um, like, I know... Um, uh, what what were the, the planned sequel was for Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden... Oh. With all crazy game with all the guns. Yeah. Um, uh, um. I remember talking to the guy who was making that, and it was his opinion that, yeah, monetary or experience rewards for quests were like. He just didn't like them. So, every single quest in that game, you did it just to see what would happen. <laughs> that was the entire point of all these quests was to see what would happen for each one. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And I mean, this was also a game where you you could actually make a gun that shot parasitic bees that would form hives within enemies to send out more bees. Um, but was this game ever actually going to come out? Because that sounds like something I want to play right now. <laughs> I'm just going to check right now. So... <laughs> I mean, I contributed to the Kickstarter, so I guess the fact that I haven't gotten an update in ages is pretty telling. <laughs> Let's see. Um, let's see. 
Barkley 2, Revenge of Kukalun. Um, all it says is, is a, all there is is an update from Q4 2013, which would have been about the time I saw this at TGS. <laughs> okay, then. News archives stopped May 2014. Hmm. And that's when they finally introduced fixes to Barclay Shut Up and Jam Gaiden first. So, six years. And the latest tweets were dated seven months ago. Hmm. So probably never coming out. <laughs> probably not. It looks like it's vaporware at this point. Which is unfortunate, because it was a really crazy game. Yeah, I mean, it always sounded really, really cool. Very ambitious, but very crazy. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. Maybe it'll randomly pop up at some point. Seems to happen on occasion for indie titles. Yeah. Anyway, how's the weather over there? Because I keep getting pictures on Facebook about snow. Snow and more <laughs> snow. Uh, no snow here. Okay. Just Thankfully. Although we did get uh, a ton of rain. But yeah, it's way too early for for snow. You would think so, but I mean, they're getting accumulation in Oklahoma. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I remember we got snow in I think it was late October or maybe early November one time one year and um it knocked down tons of tree branches and we were without a power for a week. Yeah. Over here, every year, without fail, up and down the streets, they, you'll see the crews cutting down extra branches from the ginkgo trees and others. And several of several of my coworkers had very interesting theories as to why they did it, including a national tendency towards o- being overbearing control freaks. This would be my this would be my friend, the incredible libertarian. Um, the actual the actual answer, as explained on several informational posters across one of the major parks in the city is that it's actually typhoon damage prevention. Interesting. Which makes a lot more sense than the they need to be controlled and make sure that no there aren't too many leaves and fallen berries littering the city. <laughs> like dude chill, please. Like, make that dude first chill, second chill more, third stop um delete your bookmark for Breitbart.com, please. It's not doing good. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, it's it's finally deci- it's finally decided to be November over here instead of September. Did we randomly randomly just get cold? Uh yeah, it just shifted two days ago. Big rain came through, and now temperatures about five degrees cooler. Nice. Celsius, it's or a bit not more. Nice. Yeah, not bad yet. <laughs> it was it was pretty decent over here, but last week it went down and finally started started to get pretty cold. And actually, there were some snowflakes at my son's soccer game the other day, so not fun. Uh, so I guess while we wait for Dave, we can talk about what we've been playing recently. Anything interesting? I'm about two-thirds of the way through Tactics Ogre, um, Night of Lotus. Nice. That's the, yeah. uh, that's the Game Boy Advance one, right? Yep. How was that? Oh, it's pretty good. I have a copy, but I never got around to it. Only as a swan song for the for the late lamented Quest games, it's pretty good. I think they used that same engine to make uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, so I assume it plays similarly. Similarly, yeah. Um, it's sometimes harder to figure out how to get some of the job classes just because they are they're based on stats and alignment. Interesting. Yeah. And quite often, it's simply easier to persuade somebody else to join you. Mm-hmm. I've done that once or twice. That's how I managed to get a witch. I'll definitely have to move that close to the top of my backlog. It's a good game. I've actually been playing a little Fire Emblem recently, so starting to get in the mood for more tactics-y games. So maybe I'll fire that up at some point. Sorry about that. It's alright. Uh, we're just talking about what we've been playing recently while we're waiting for you to come back. <laughs> Good podcasting material, <laughs> always. Yes. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Diablo 3 on Switch. Nice. Which, uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know why I never played a ton of it on, like, PS4. And it's obviously the same exact game on Switch, but... It, now I you've guess got more time for it. It finally clicked, and yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, and also Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is... Oh, nice. Uh, awesome. And I haven't played it in about a week, but I would have talked about it last... Uh, had we recorded last week, but I've been playing a bit of uh, Luigi's Mansion 2. Oh, Luigi Mansion. Which, uh, I remember when it first came out, I got stuck at the first boss, some giant spider. Wow. And and kind of just got stuck there and couldn't get past that. So I went back to it recently. To, I was like, I'm going to like find a guide and finally take down this boss. As it turns out, I had already done that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I went in and fought this boss, tried to figure out, was working on figuring it out again, and when I went, was going back in to select it again, I'm like, oh, the next the next mansion is already unlocked. I've already beaten this. Good work. Am I a boolean, true or false? <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Uh, one of the questions we were doing before was the, uh, the Mount Rushmore one. Uh, first person, first one's Mario. Yeah, yeah. We were trying to figure figure out as many non Nintendo ones as we could because obviously you could fill the whole thing with Nintendo characters. Some sort of amalgamation of Dragon Quest heroes, maybe the five hero, I guess. Three or five's hero design. What about Torneco? I I mean, like I like Torneco as much as the next guy, but he's not as emblematic of Dragon Quest as Fine. like. <laughs> Bless you. I don't know. You're a Mr. Chief fan, aren't you? Do you think he belongs there? Not really. Wow. <laughs> the marathon security guard, isn't that his job? Security guard? Yes, he could, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're deep in your purest of hearts. All you can think about is marathon. True. It's still the best first person shooter. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> well, leaving behind Wheels' particular brand of brain damage. Uh, I don't know. There's pro- like, the thing about it is, like, a part of me says, like, well, it shouldn't all just be old Japanese franchises, but at the same time, like, a lot of Western franchises aren't really defined by iconic characters per se, and not in the same fashion. Yeah, I mean, the best the best ones that came to mind for me were Lara Croft and Nathan Drake. Yeah, I feel like Laura Croft was much more the phenomenon of a character, so she sure. fits better. There was a period where, like, they they wanted to sell you Laura Croft and not Tomb Raider. Yeah, which is why her name started appearing before the games in certain at certain points. <laughs> so, but uh. Sorry, I, I, my brain is damaged because now all I'm thinking about is like, man, I really miss when games had these hideous, untextured CG cutscenes that all started them. <laughs> and like, they'd have nothing to do with anything half the time. Like, I'm just thinking specifically about the opening of like Tomb Raider 2, where it's just like, here's a shot of like a weird man stabbing a dragon, and then unless you decided to read the manual, that's not going to make any dang sense. Oh, I guess that dagger is what Laura's going after now. I, no, nothing in the game said that. Oh, <laughs> I'm just in. I'm just in a cave now. <laughs> the experience of playing uh, PS1 games was often mysterious. Uh, I don't think you get to a cave in Tomb Raider 2 for a while. You immediately start in a cave. It just is opens it out onto like ruins of the Great Wall of China. Is that the first level? I thought I started in like Venice. No, Venice is the demo level. It's level two. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Maybe my memory is failing me. I mean, I played the demo level a lot more than I played a lot of the other levels. I don't blame you. Well, it's it's fine. Tomb Raider 2 is aged like a fine glass of milk left out in the sun. <laughs> harsh. Deeply <laughs> harsh. Not wrong, but harsh. <laughs> no, no, it's just blue cheese. <laughs> it's, that spe- it's that kind of cheese that you can't legally sell in the U.S. because maggots jump out of it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's uh, like 
you know, just just for being an inescapable phenomenon in the late '90s, like Lara Croft probably belongs on there, and definitely like a marker of the period where uh, you were much less capable of seeing that a game was developed outside of Japan and thinking, "I'm in for a bad time." <laughs> which uh, was generally the feeling from basically like 1986 to about 1996. Yeah, that's about fair. Unless you were really big into PC games, but if you were into console games, like this was like 1996 is around the point where it's like, oh, I'm not necessarily going to hate my life after purchasing this thing from people that made it in America or England or wherever. <laughs> from the beloved creators of uh, Chuck Rock to Son of Chuck, Wonder Dog, and BC Racers. What? <laughs> try, try and guess if I made up any of those. I'm guessing not. <coughs> make Bubble and Sticks. I'm trying to remember if they made Bubble and Sticks. I know. I mean, that's a list where you could legitimately tack Sharknado to the end, and it would seem like it was normal. Okay, okay. Who made Bubba and Sticks? I have to check this. Bubba and Sticks by Core Design! Aha! <laughs> Bubba and Sticks. Their Amiga catalog is a magical realm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, what the... They lost me over here. Oh. It's a good thing, because I need to get going in a few minutes. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I apologize for taking us down this awful rabbit hole. Also, this is a really nice uh, thing that will probably break instantly if it's anything like an actual Sega CD case. It it already has a scratch on it. Yeah, no, like those <laughs> things don't last. They weren't yeah. built to last. No, uh, like I, I literally just pulled it out of the, the box to take a picture of it. I'm like, oh, this is already scratched. Yeah, like I don't even blame... Li- okay, to, for context, listeners, uh, Wheels is showing off his limited run cosmic star heroin in a pseudo sega cd long box and like i don't even blame them that's just how sega cd boxes are they just break it's true to life so i should yeah the cover art is very uh is very high-end sega cd i would put it term it like i could see this being on a sega cd box but it would be like one of those ones where it's like oh this is one of the ones with good box art yeah (laughs) (laughs) or one where they didn't change it from yeah. Japanese. I still love that there's a Japan-only Sega CD Shadowrun game. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I'm still amazed that they actually did a Japanese version of the PS2 port of the Discworld video game. Hell yeah! <laughs> it, it is one of four items connected to Terry Pratchett that were published in this country. The other three were the Bromeliad trilogy. So. Oh. This game has zero context for anybody playing it in Japan. <laughs> There's like five Japanese Discworld fans that are really upset that they can't get any other media and they all have to play this. <laughs> oh no, I mean, if they're fans to begin with and they're reading English books. Yeah, they're just upset, like, well, if I want to support the author. <laughs> okay, oh, I was no trying. The, the author really did not like the video game <laughs> from all accounts. Yeah. There were Which two different Discworld video games somehow, though. There were three. Oh, there were three? I only ever heard of the two uh, point-and-click adventures. Yeah, um, yeah. the first one was a rewriting of Guards, Guards, with Rit- I mean, th- and the second one was a rewriting of Moving Pictures, both of <laughs> which with Rincewind as the protagonist instead of the original characters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of odd things have changed. And the third one was an o- original plotline called Discworld Noir, Oh, that's a cute idea. <laughs> Which uh, was apparently received well, barely well enough by the author to include a question about it in the Discworld quiz book. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> about about in, as warmly as he's going to look at in it. In the introduction of said book, he specifically said that there would be no questions about the video games. Please do not remind me it exists. And then later on, it's like Discworld Noir is like, okay, so I lied. This one, we have one question here. <laughs> One pity question. This is the one I'm closest to being willing to acknowledge. Uh-huh. Also, I had to double check that Bubba and Sticks and Bubble and Squeak are different games. <laughs> they are. Bubble and Squeak, isn't that a food from England? It is a breakfast uh, in England, uh, boiled potatoes and cabbage. And someone made a game just called Bubble and Squeak, because I guess they were hungry at the time. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, Dragon Quest Eight had a pair of characters named Bangers and Mash. I mean, dra- all Dragon Quest and all Toriyama characters, by extension, are all just essentially named after like. Well, if Toriyama is given free reign, they're all rain. They're all named after either what's in his laundry or what's on the or what's in his fridge. Oh no! But, I mean, there was that one set that were named after musical instruments. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Piccolo's group. Piccolo, t- yeah, yeah, simple drum. Yeah. But Piccolo was the only one who survived out past that story arc. Yeah, and then he went right back to, to the fridge and and the yep. underwear family. Yep, yep. And the, the, la- the last of that line mangled so completely in English that it's the only one that's completely unintelligible. Which one? Uh, in GT, they added a daughter whose name was rendered as Bulla. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be Bra. Well, I mean, I mean, you needed a bit of experience and imagination to turn Bulma into bloomers. Yeah, that one they had an excuse for, though, because she wears shirts that say Bulma on them. So they <laughs> explaining, trying to... It was one of those things where, well, this one isn't the name underwear. This is what's written on it, and it sounds less like underwear anyway. Yeah, but I mean, Toriyama also had a history of having characters wear their name with a creative misspelling. Yeah, so yeah. like Arale Chan. Yep, Toriyama's uh, a man of simple choices in many cases. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh man. But yeah, I don't. I don't know that I can put anything more on a gaming rush more at this point. Oh, good. We came. I came back in time to discuss something that is probably only of interest to me. So. That Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. You know I'm interested in that, too. Yeah, but you're not as interested as I am, let's be real. I was never interested. What? Fight? Yeah. You will fight me, sir. Well, I, mean, I, I, was, to... I was out of the country when the first one came out, and I was out of the country for the, uh, to a different country for the others. <laughs> so, oh, no, I and... assumed he was saying he was going to fight me over who cared more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, how many years has it been since Kingdom Hearts 2? Uh, let's many 12 12 or 13 they spent a very long time jerking the development team around there's uh, that very long period where it's like hey you're working on versus 13 a year into production for that hey actually final fantasy 13 super behind can you work on that instead it's 13 years so it was 2005 yeah uh well december so early 20 20- it was, uh, oh, it was. I think in America was, it was early 2006. Yeah. I was going to say, I was in Japan when it came out because I still remember the theme song being played on the radio. Oh, man. I remember uh, Utada Hikaru when she like debuted the Kingdom Hearts 3 theme song in like a snippet. She just uh, tweeted it out with the uh, statement, you guys better get the game done soon because I'm not going to sit around and not uh, play the rest of this uh, if it takes yeah. too long. <laughs> yeah, she, she did the um, she did the Kingdom Hearts two sound or um, she did one, two, and now three. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, well, that's that's who does them. You can tell it's a new numbered game because there's a new Tadahitakaru uh, theme song. So, do we think it's going to be good? Yes, very. Okay. Uh, every every trailer I see of that, uh, one of the things that I was a little concerned about at E3 was that uh, the game is very like I mean obviously at this point it's very much in the polishing stage. It's probably about to be submitted for. Uh, it's probably already been submitted to make sure that it can be manufactured in time, or at least is about to be submitted. But, yeah. Uh, what I was concerned about at E3 was that like in the gameplay presentations there was a lot of bits where it seemed like the frame rate would kind of dip in strange places. Mm. But it seems like every new trailer, they seem to be getting more solid. So I'm inclined to say that they've just spent the last, like, six months doing polish passes. Is this running on Unreal? Yeah, it's UE4. Okay. That that was one of the problems that delayed this game again, was that they had to... Like, early on, Square was, like, pressuring them to use Luminous Studio, so they acquiesced, and then, like... Partway through, it became clear that Luminous Studio would not work, and so they swapped to UE4. <laughs> oh yeah, are we going to discuss that? What's that? Well, I need to get going. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Sorry. 
And um, depending on how my schedule turns out, I may or may not be able to appear next week. So I'll right. let you know. Well, yeah, I may not be available that night either, so we'll discuss it off. <laughs> we might have to reschedule what night. Yes. Okay. okay. See ya. See ya. Yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about the Final Fantasy news? Yeah, the brutal assassination yeah. of... It's uh... <laughs> one way to put it. <laughs> The brutally assassinated Prince Noctis. Uh, FF15, all, uh, not all, but most of its forthcoming DLC is cancelled. I was going to be honest, my reaction to this news was, uh, they announced more DLC? <laughs> they announced a bunch. Like, they announced an entire second year of DLC. Uh, well, I guess more like a year and a half, but yeah. yeah. Like, they announced a bunch of DLC where it was like, okay, it's going to there's going to be an episode starring Luna Freya. There's going to be an episode starring Arden. There's going to be another episode with a protagonist whose name is escaping me at the moment. And there was going to be another episode uh, that was like episode Noctis, but it was going to have an alternate ending to the game. Huh. And other than Arden, all of those are cancelled. The only... Uh, the only reason Arden's being finished is because it's obviously very close to already done. Uh, uh, like, this happens in the wake of Hajime Tabata resigning from Square Enix's uh, Luminous Studio, which was the studio that he worked at now that they had set up uh, specifically to put him at the head of. And he's apparently off to make an independent studio that's going to work on... I don't know where he'll get the money, but I'm sure he can find some. He can find a publisher, an independent studio working on AAA projects. Uh, so that's the reason he left. And was there? Do we know of any other shenanigans going on? We don't know anything else. Certainly, I can speculate, but like anything I say after this is not a matter of public record, and we don't have, and I have no proof for. It's just where my brain would go. So. Luminous Studio was set up about six to nine months ago, and that would be about enough time. Like, the, it was set up to be a new studio that made AAA games at Square Enix. That would be about enough time to put together a pitch document and make prototypes for a new, pro, uh, a new IP. That would also be... Uh, that new IP being rejected given that they had to set up a studio to keep Tabata to begin with, would also imply that he was definitely willing to leave before and didn't. I'm inclined to say that he pitched something and they said no. Makes sense. Like, that would be my first immediate guess. So do you think the two things are related, or they just happened to announce, like, the cancellation of all the DLC and him leaving at the same time? There's no way that, like, they would... this. Cost, caused them to have to put a $33 million write-off uh, in terms of presumably budget combined with assumed, like, projected profits. Right. Like, a $33 million write-off is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, so I'm inclined to say that they can't, like, they don't have someone ready to step in to finish directing the DLCs. And therefore they killed them because yeah. he had resigned that makes sense i mean they kind of have a lot of uh like all of their big their projects that are trust projects to yeah. are kind of tied up what about like my, my immediate thought my immediate thought well kawazu wasn't i mean kawazu is probably like the is usually the person that's like you're skilled at managing teams and will get a game out but i think at this point they may have just decided that this was a write-off there was just too little done on them, perhaps. Yeah. But, well, like, it, it puts you into this situation where it's like, I mean, think I, I went down, like, the list of, like, name developers that Square has, and they're all occupied. It's like, well, uh, Tai Yasue? Oh, no, he's co-director of, Epi of Kingdom Hearts 3. He's too busy. Like, that sort of thing where, you know... And they can't just have them sit around twiddling their thumbs, so presumably Luminous Studio is working on something, but I don't know what. Yeah. 
because they very specifically said no luminous studio will not be closing and really it doesn't make sense to close it just by virtue of the fact that i mean it's still they just got finished with that giant reorg so right yeah but you know who knows we don't know anything about the cause and effect the only thing we know is that his resignation was tendered on halloween hmm so (laughs) interesting date uh, they, uh, I don't remember when the FF15, like, fan event that this was crossed into was announced, but it sure wasn't much of a fan event, because it was literally just all of it cancelled, it's gone. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find when that fan event was, uh, okay, uh, that fan event was announced, uh, See if I can find when this actually hey, was honey. announced. So it was one of those things where it's like, would they really have announced this with the assumption that it was going to just be like, that's a real egg on your face thing to have happen to like announce like here's there's going to be FF15 related announcements here. All of it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I'm inclined to say that that was pro- like even if they hadn't announced it yet, that was probably planned. To not have that as its only information. <laughs> Conspicuously not mentioned on FF15's website. Nice. The last thing on FF15's website is the Terror Wars crossover, and I'm very sorry if you remember what Terror Wars is. I do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like, Tabata leaving is big news. I'm curious where he ends up like who ends up publishing his next game for some reason my money would probably be on like Namco Bandai yeah that would make sense that seems like the sort of thing where they would add that to their portfolio or maybe but we aren't gonna know what it is for at least two years so maybe he'll <laughs> end up at the factory of ideas why would you say that <laughs> why would you ever say that like I'm very hot and cold on Tabata, but I wouldn't wish them on that. Wish that on him. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Like I mean, either. you know, he he finished out FF15's direction, but he also directed Type Zero, so you know, you win some, you lose some. <sighs> All right, should we wrap this up? Uh, I think we had one more question. Did we? Yeah. A lot of older games. Oh, yeah. With a lot of older games, completing a task in a game was its own reward. This is Budai, of course. Uh, we actually went uh, over this while you were. You had to oh, step out. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to this? Uh, like I mean, I guess the the traditional response would be that, uh, like we don't make games as a fight between the player and the developer at this point, but. I mean, we've also moved to, like, there there is the gratification reward structure, but we also have seen a lot more experiments with games that have different reward structures because they're designed to m- evoke different emotions than merely this is fun. And I think that's also changed a lot about how games are structured. Because, I mean, like, y- you know, anything that's story-focused, uh, the reward is story beats. Right. Like, you complete the challenge, and there's more of the characters or the plot that you care about. But, I mean, there's also, like, games that are designed to be anti-fun or endurance in the sense of emotional harrowing, things like that. Like, or games that are designed to steer you away from... I'm just thinking a lot about any stuff now. Uh, games designed to steer you away from... Uh, Outcomes by making them unfun. Mm. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's you know, like uh, to to quote a critic of a different medium about a different medium. Uh, Roger Ebert referred to films as machines that produce empathy, and uh, like I think video games are slowly learning that they can be used as machines to generate many kinds of emotions. And uh, that is going to change the kinds of reward structures we see. Whereas with a lot of older games, it was a reflex test or like your sense of accomplishment was score based. So it was like, how long can you last? Which is a 
very different, uh, requires a very different reward structure in the sense that it, it really only has a reward structure in as much as your brain feels, uh, in, in as much as your response to stress is fight over flight. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I guess we can wrap things up now. All right. Um, you can send us questions in the usual place. Uh, you can send us questions on Discord. Send us questions on Twitter, which no one has done in quite a long time, I don't think. Send us questions via smoke signal or carrier pigeon. I mean, I mean, I can't guarantee we'd ever understand them, but I mean, we, you could. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I'm gonna have to double check next time. I think uh, Eternal Youth may have sent me some more questions at Discord after the Should do censorship that. stuff, but yeah, I'll look into that next time. Uh, but yeah, that's all for this week, and. Uh, see you, Space Cowboy. Thank you. I was waiting <laughs> for that.